Hi, I'm Wilma Norton from the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay, host of the Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week podcast. And today I'm talking to Devin Dominguez, who's doing a dual role. She's both chair of Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week and with WEDU, our local public television station. So welcome, Devin. Nice to talk to you again. Well, hi, friend. I'm glad to have another chat with you. And so I guess first off, why don't you tell us a little bit about WEDU and the work that the public media does in in our area? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, WEDU is Tampa Bay's PBS station, and we're not just Tampa Bay, actually. We cover 16 counties in West Central Florida, so we have a really huge footprint. And uh, we have six channels of broadcast television, free to anyone who has an antenna. And we also do some live streaming on our website, wedu.org. And we do a lot of different kinds of work in the community, but the heart of what we do are are three pillars that come from PBS National. And that is to be America's largest classroom, to be America's largest stage, and to be a trusted window to the world. And in this year, I think we've all needed all three of those things in the comfort of our home, in the safety of our home now more than ever. Absolutely. And I, I know the, the classroom part has been especially important this year. You and I have talked about how that has amped up and become so essential during 2020 when so many people were needing educational resources. Can you talk a little bit about what you did to adapt during the pandemic and and help people make that classroom even larger? Oh, yes. So when the pandemic started to become a reality in our lives, it was probably mid-March and none of us really knew what was going on. We didn't know, how severe this was. And I I don't think anybody quite knew how to deal with it just yet. And so um, from my perspective, I really thought that PBS was going to lean more heavily on the trusted window to the world part of what we do and um, unbiased news, trusted information, the PBS news hour, the frontline part of our work. And that is very important. But Come mid-March, schools started closing and kids had to go home and um, parents were at home and no one was quite sure what to do. How do you continue the continuity of education for young children when their structure is completely taken away? And just because parents are at home, it doesn't mean that they um, can balance their workload and all the things that they need to do with monitoring their child's education. And so our education team, which is actually quite small, came together very quickly with our production team and developed a program called WEDU at Home Learning. And what this program did is it expanded our offerings for students to 12 hours. So PBS stations all across the station air six hours of television for children. So most people um, will tune into WEDU in the middle of the day and they'll see something like Sesame Street 
or uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. And those programs are still on the air, but we added in programming like American Experience and Nova and Nature um, to our lineup. So we expanded it from six hours to 12 hours for students of all ages to watch educational programming for free over the broadcast airways. And then we have companion lesson plans that are available to everyone, teachers, parents, students on our Florida PBS learning media. And we've developed this website. So you can go to wedu.org. You can see what the at-home learning television programming will be. And then you can click through and pull lesson plans that are appropriate for the students in your home. And it could be you have a third grader and a 10th grader in your home. And you can guide them through those lesson plans and teachers can direct their students to do this or parents can add it on as a way to continue education in their home above and beyond what their school um, is providing. But it's a way for us to bring the classroom into your living room and take some of the pressure off of the technology needs that some students might not have. Not every student has Wi-Fi in their home. And not every student can turn on their cable and watch, you know, uh, gosh, I don't know what people watch on cable because I watch PBS all the time. But it, it it, it was designed to be a free resource readily available to everyone. And what was incredible about the program, and it's still continuing to this day, there are still thousands and thousands and thousands of students in our broadcast area that are in school virtually from their homes. Um, But we had a 300% increase in registrations to Florida PBS Learning Media and our viewership skyrocketed during that time. So what that told me was probably the most valuable thing that we have provided has been staying true to being the largest classroom for our community. And above and beyond that, there are um, some people that are, are not students of all ages, myself included, that have loved watching American Experience during the day and Nova and found it to be really comforting viewing. So it really served our entire viewership. Well, and I think an important point that you made that I want to be sure we reiterate is that PBS is free to anyone who has an antenna. You don't have to have cable there almost anyone can access WEDU. And that's incredibly important at this time when people are out of the physical classroom. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, we live in a world of streaming and PBS, absolutely. We have streaming options, really affordable streaming options. We have a free live stream uh, of our main channel. We have six channels, like I mentioned. So um, our main channel streams free all the time if you're lucky enough to have internet. Um, But really, broadcast television is coming back around. There are lots of services that offer um, free or cheap streaming of broadcast television. So there were a lot of people that we found that were connecting with a service like Lowcast to to get our programming. And so um, thank you for mentioning that. I'm really glad that I'm really proud of the fact that we are free and accessible to everyone in our community. Well, I say that as a, uh, as a member of WEDU and I've watched hundreds of hours of Masterpiece Theater during this because 
that's been, that has been my outlet uh, to relieve stress and, and all of that is to. So wait, remind me, which, which one is your favorite masterpiece series? I really liked Sanditon, which I think is one that a lot of people don't maybe know about. It only had one season. I watched Beecham House, which also I think only had one season, but I've watched uh, every episode of Grantchester and ah. every episode of Endeavor and so uh, all of the greatest hits. So basically uh, the joke in our house is if there's someone with a British accent who's solving a crime, then I'm on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Sanditon too. That, that piece is actually the unfinished novel um, from Jane Austen that we've turned into a dramatic adaptation on Masterpiece. And I have to admit, I, I've admitted this to you and to Marlene before, but when it comes to Masterpiece and the British dramas, I have to watch it on closed captioning because my brain can't keep up with the accent. <laughs> but fun fact, I learned not long ago, um, public television actually invented or promoted closed captioning for the hearing impaired as a further accessibility effort of public television. Well, I will admit, I don't use the closed captioning, but I watch Masterpiece Theater with earbuds because it's easier for me to process the accent, especially in the first episode of a series, if it's directly into my ear. So yeah, there's a, there's a tip. Yeah. So, all right, we digress, but um, <laughs> um, talk, can you and I've talked about this a good bit. Um, you had some very special relationships and encounters with your donors, your supporters, specifically related to COVID. And I think there's some good examples of how building relationships over time with people who support you are especially important when a crisis arises. Um, do, you wanna, do you wanna tell one of those stories? Yeah, um, it, it's funny because I, I feel like I'm wearing both of my hats right now. The chair of Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week and as a philanthropy officer for WEDU because the the importance of telling the story of an innovative nonprofit with an ethical fundraiser and a generous philanthropist is truly what we're all about at the Association of Fundraising Professionals. And I am so very lucky to work with the people that I work with. The philanthropists that give to WEDU are truly some of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. And so when at-home learning launched, there's a lot of hidden costs that come along with producing television. And so I think, um, it's easy to think very quickly about certain elements like, well, you have to pay to turn the lights on in the studio and someone has to operate the camera and things like that. But then there's even more things that go above and beyond that. Like the rights to broadcast those programs are expensive and they um, are complicated contracts and figuring out when you put them on air at what time and then hiring the staff to write the lesson plans that follow Florida education standards, those education standards that the Department of Education set forth, all of our lesson plans meet those standards. So there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes to make sure 
that this program launched quickly and was the most beneficial for those who needed it. And so um, we had a big, big nut of money that we needed to raise like with zero days to do in minutes. And this, <laughs> right. It was wait, what are we doing? Okay. And and we really had to change gears very quickly. And we had some very generous people that just knew exactly what we were doing and understood the importance of it. I mean, education is in our DNA, W-E-D-U. And I think um, because we had built really long relationships with these people, they were happy to support it. So um, we had a really generous gift from the Barantic Foundation, which is actually based in Sarasota. They are um, very, very generous in that community and are relatively new to supporting WEDU. But they came in with the largest gift because they believe that education is essential for success in our communities. And so um, they had a pretty quick turnaround granting program where um, you submitted the application and their staff got on the phone with you several times over. We had eight people on our team working to get this application in and those funds went out very quickly. And so we were very grateful to the Barantic Foundation who we had started talking to about increasing their support to WEDU and they stepped up in a really big and wonderful way. Uh, And then we had the Bailey Family Foundation who um, as chair of Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week, I'm really thrilled to talk about them because they were the past recipients of Philanthropist of the Year for National Philanthropy Day ceremony that when we were able to do events in person, um, they were honored with just, I think, two years ago. And they came in with a really lovely gift to help get those big programs on air. Um, And then my dear friends, Monroe and Suzette Berkman, who um, are two of the most generous, kind, and humble people I have ever met. And- I would agree with that. Well, I know you know that. And um, Monroe and Suzette, uh, I I think that public television means probably more to them than anyone else that I've encountered. I think they truly understand the power of the airwaves and how important it it is to have non-commercial television on the air. And so every element of our at-home learning that I talked about before, the non-commercial unbiased news, the comfort viewing with historical dramas, and then the, the critical nuts and bolts, accurate information about science, about American history, about the arts, they are proud to support that and have it on air. And so, um, as you know, they have a fund at the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay. And I know I've said this before, but I cannot thank the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay enough for the way that you've responded to the COVID crisis and provided a match on all funds that came out of fund holder um, donor advised funds that, that are held at the Community Foundation. And Monroe called our CEO and said, 
did you know about this great thing at the community foundation? And he said, yes, Devin's already submitted um, what we need, what our needs list item is for, for at-home learning. And so Monroe went back and he made a very generous gift from his fund at the community foundation to support at-home learning. And then it was matched by the community foundation. So within the span of two weeks, we had completely fully funded the first six months of at-home learning. Now we've needed at-home learning much longer than we've anticipated, but we're already seeing a lot of generous philanthropists step up to continue that program. Well, I think what you just said there, and and thank you, we are we are proud at the Community Foundation of how we were able to respond. That our donors, like Monroe and many many others, have um, have made it possible for us to respond. But what you said about you didn't have to call the Berkmans. They called you. I think that really is the best example I've heard in a a while of what that relationship means. That didn't happen overnight. That's something that you and probably your predecessor um, have been building all of these years, this relationship of trust and support and care that then really comes to the forefront when we have something like the COVID situation. Um, You and I talked with uh, Joanne Yurofsky from WUSF Public Media the other day, and, and she also had the same kind of story about how, you know, fundraising for equipment or writing lesson plans or that kind of thing, that's not sexy. Not at all. <laughs> so that's not flashy. So when you have over time built that kind of relationship where you have someone who understands that there's a lot of that nuts and bolts kind of um, kind of equipment and kind of, of stuff that needs to be done in a crisis and they raise their hand without without that phone call. I just think that's an amazing tribute to philanthropy and to AFP and and to really our our donors and and our nonprofits. So kudos. Thank you. And I have to say that um it, it it's a relationship with the entire organization. Like I feel like I would be doing my job wrong if the only relationship that the donors had with our organization was with me. Like I think that they should know who our CEO is and they should trust the decisions that Paul Grove makes. And I think that they should know everyone else in in the building and on air and really um, part of that trust is that they don't need me to explain the nuts and bolts of that piece of equipment and what exactly it's going to do. Um, They know that we are going to be transparent in the use of their funds and we're going to use it wisely. And oftentimes they don't need the the nitty gritty of how it's going to work because we've built that beautiful relationship. And I, I actually, I had, another thought come to my mind when you were talking about people just picking up the phone and calling and saying, I want to support this. Um, Alan Baumstein is a wonderful, wonderful, generous man who um, is on our board of directors and he is our treasurer. So he sees the financials and is a very good steward of our financials. And um, he was honored as a lightning community hero recipient in February. And his game that he was going to be honored at was in late March. (laughs) He never got to have 
that special event, that special game. Um, but he called me right after he um, learned of his award and he allocated it to a couple of different organizations. And the largest gift that he gave from that grant, the Lightning Community Hero Grant, was to WEDU and to his synagogue. And the first thing that I said to him was, it is so special to me that you consider WEDU to be as important as your synagogue. And he said, I am happy to do it. He picked up the phone and he called me and he shared that really powerful message that WEDU is just as important as his center of faith. That's an amazing, powerful story. I hadn't heard that. Thanks for sharing. We're kind of, we're recording this actually on National Philanthropy Day, which is the one day a year that has been for the last 31 years been set aside for celebrating people like the Berkmans and, um, and Alan Baumstein and the Baransic Foundation and all the, all the, the Bailey Family Fund, all the folks that you have mentioned, but also to celebrate the relationships. Um, I think this is not going to, to air until after Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week is over, but are you happy with, as the chair, put on your chair hat, how, how's this gone? <laughs> this has been a, this has been a different way to celebrate, um, but, you know, just like, like fundraisers and nonprofits and all of us in our personal lives, uh, we've had to adapt. So, I, um, when I came up with this crazy idea for Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week, the things that were going through my head were, um, absolutely not, we cannot do an in-person event. <laughs> for the safety of all of us, and as a volunteer leader for the Association of Fundraising Professionals, that wasn't something that I consider, awesome. that I would consider yeah. for our safety. The second thought that was kicking around in my head is there were a lot of conversations about how the National Philanthropy Day recognitions needed to evolve to make it more accessible for all levels of fundraisers, for all sizes of organizations, and, and every type of work. Um, so I, I felt very strongly that I needed to find a way to lower the bar for access for people and organizations and stories to be told. And then the third thought was, Devin, are you crazy? Why are you going to do this for an entire week when a National Philanthropy Day awards ceremony is just an hour, one morning, one Thursday in November? Right. <laughs> and I, what I have learned through this whole process, I mean, we started planning this probably early April. We started talking about making this change. And um, all of the feedback that I have received from nonprofits, from fundraisers, from philanthropists is excitement about this new model and eagerness to hear the stories. So this podcast has been wildly popular. I mean, I had my doubts that anyone would listen to this and our listenership has far exceeded anything that I ever expected. And someone emailed me last night and said, are you going to continue this podcast year round? And I hope that we can. I think my biggest takeaway is that our community is really strong and works so well together. 
And to celebrate that any chance we get is really important. And to honor those stories is something that I feel really privileged to have have uplifted in this year. So I hope I hope that these celebrations continue year round. And I hope that um, Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week is here to stay. And we've talked about that. Uh, it, like so many things, philanthropy should be something we celebrate every day because we do have so many generous givers in our community. And as you said, at all levels and all walks of life. And uh, I've just been really honored to be able to help uh, tell some of these stories. And we'll look forward to telling more of these stories because the more people who hear about what philanthropy means to others, the more people who are inspired to give and get involved and, to start writing their own philanthropy story. Yeah, and and you know one of the things that I have to say, I'm really grateful. Um, your your journalist background has really come out, and I can't thank you enough for hosting this podcast. But um, in addition to inspiring philanthropy, one of the things that I've been really proud of is our work in talking about diversity and inclusion. And and Carrie Getz in the United Way. Uh, Suncoast podcast really talked about um, the work that they're doing in racial justice and how that needs to permeate the entire organization. And, and I really responded so well to that. And, and it made me feel really proud of the work that we do at WEDU in racial justice. We launched a whole new program called Can We Talk to Tackle Those Really nice. Tough Conversations? And, and I, I'm glad that we could open the door to that conversation and that we can continue it moving forward because all of those issues um, are important to running a healthy nonprofit. And the more we have that conversation in a philanthropy space, the more we'll be able to bring attention and much needed dollars to it. Um, You know, the New York, uh, the New York times, uh, is it the New York times slogan that is democracy dies in darkness. Um, Washington. Oh, it's yeah. the Washington Post. I read both yes. every day and I forget which one has that tagline, but um, I think philanthropy is also a way to shine light on needs, problems, and successes in our in our community. So we all just need to keep telling stories, learning from each other, and talking about ways we can continue to make this Uh, a much a better place, uh, make a great place to live an even greater place to live, work and play. Absolutely. I know it sounds cliche, but I, I think this year now more than ever, I, I feel with my entire heart, how we are all better together and we all did better together this year. Amen. Well, thanks for all all that you have done to, Uh, both to promote uh, education and all of the things that WEDU does and for uh, having this uh, crazy idea for Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week. I I think it's one we'll be uh, be implementing and talking about and being excited about for a long time. (laughs) I'm really glad it worked. And thanks for following me down my crazy idea. I was there with you. I got it. (laughs) Oh, thanks again.
for more information on Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week and to catch up on all things AFP Tampa Bay, you can follow us on Facebook at AFP Tampa Bay, on LinkedIn at AFP Tampa Bay, and on Twitter at AFP Suncoast. It's funny that it's still Suncoast on Twitter. (laughs) 